All right. So my message is titled The Sons of God. This is not part of my faith series. Um, I start a new series next week and I'll get a couple of done. Then we get into Christmas and then get a couple done more next year. Maybe finish off the series. But I'm doing a series on James. And if you've ever read James, James is an awesome, awesome book. It's very interesting. There's lots in there. So we're going to try and unpack bits and pieces and hopefully give you a better understanding of the book of James. But does anyone remember those, um, I don't know what you call them, they're like the, the Tupperware balls. They're one, had, one side was red, one side was blue. You split them apart, had a whole bunch of shapes in them. And then you put the shapes, what was it? Shapo. That's what I'm talking about. Do you know how hard it is to find one of those without buying one? They are awesome. I remember having one when I was a kid. I think someone gave it to us. But uh, they are a, a toy that everybody should have for their child. Um, but do you remember those and you had to find the shape and had to put it in the right hole and uh, then when you'd finished all that you had to pull it apart and all the shapes would fall back out how do you know when you fit in how do you know when you connect do we, do we try and get to that point where we fit in or find our place um, or do we just I don't know do what needs to be done and and, and the rest is sort of irrelevant. Do we find our connection points? Um, do we feel connected? Um, and do things become important to us? Does feeling a part of something enter in what's important to you? You know, when I look at all of you here, all you lovely faces, and it's so good not to see this, I know I'm connected to something bigger than myself. We see the faces... I know the people. We share in our lives together. And obviously we share to the degree that you let us share. Or we're allowed to share. But I know that I'm a part of this. And I'm a part of this church family. And funny enough, when you go look into psychology, whenever you've gone through a traumatic experience, uh, the best course of healing is being connected to something that is bigger than yourself. I uh, remember I did this pain management class um, and as I was talking and they get you to go through a counsellor and a psychologist and blah 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 and, and I don't know they're trying to find something wrong with me probably wasn't that hard but um, they were going through certain things and we were talking and, and one of them made that comment he says oh it's good that you are connected with the church because a lot of research has found that when you are connected to something that is larger than yourself it gives you purpose or helps with your purpose but unfortunately, there are many people that don't feel the same way. There are many people that sit on the outskirts of church. They might come here and there, but they, f they find it difficult to connect. And perhaps people have had bad experiences. Perhaps their lives are too busy. Perhaps so much other things take place. Perhaps we, we struggle with this concept of how do we understand something that we physically or necessarily can't, under, can't see. Maybe we can't grasp something because of those previous experiences, those pers previous hurts or our personalities. I recently, um, when I was looking after the kids, I think Mel was uh, doing something with the ladies. I was looking after the kids and I sat them down after reading something. And I asked this question, I said, uh, what does it mean to you? How does it make you feel that you have two parents that love you 
that we are both here for you and that you are part of our family. And well, besides the fact they gave their best answers, um, we soon wandered down a path where they expressed that they thought I could not relate to their lives because I was too old. And the rabbit's hole we went down was the direction I was not expecting, nor was I aiming for. And simply for them, it was a hard concept to even grasp or trying to explain because they don't know what it's like to not have parents who love them and care for them, who are in the same home, who have their best interests at heart. They don't know the difference of not having that, and so for them to even grasp that concept is hard. They have this expectation that this or their exact life right now is exactly how it is meant to be. That's why it should always be. And even though they have friends who don't have both parents in the same home, they struggle with this concept of having their home with that. Interesting enough, the greatest gift a father can give his children is to love their mother. And I wonder if we could answer the same question if it was asked to us. Maybe we come from a broken home, like I do. And so maybe a little bit easy to understand what it feels like to have both parents in the home compared to not having both. But what's it like to have people who care for you, to want what's best for you, to have people who are dependable, to have people who are there for you, and if you want just to catch up, are there. Maybe to give you some advice, maybe to help you along the way. Sometimes being loved is misunderstood. Maybe it comes with the feelings of being accepted and accepting all my choices as well. One of the things that LGBTIQ, IUV, whatever other letters that might come with that title struggle with is they confuse love with acceptance of everything I do as well as who I am. Or they confuse my actions with who I am. And so they struggle with this concept that we can love a person and maybe not like their choices. And so they struggle with the church. Truthfully, that is a complete misunderstanding of God. It's a complete misunderstanding of who God is because we think that love is acceptance of choices as well as acceptance of persons. But God just doesn't love. He is love. And I can still love someone and not be in agreement with their choices. My kids make decisions all the time and quite often I don't agree with them. When told, you need to clean up your stuff, get distracted by something else. I still love them and it's because I love them that I want what's best for them. It doesn't mean that I am necessarily 100% in agreement with what they are choosing to do. Now I try and teach good life choices. I try and teach what's important. I try and teach what the Bible says. And the truth be told, it often breaks my heart when I hear of people's choices most of the time they're good choices so i have no problems but because i care and because i love people hearing about people's bad choices hurts often because of a result of mistakes 
that people make. And sometimes it's because I've made similar mistakes in my life and I don't want someone else to repeat the same mistake and that's sometimes what can hurt the most. It's like a parent. My mother would tell me all these times, I don't want you to repeat the same mistakes that I did. Now I try not to force my opinions on anyone. I try to be respectful and do or say the right things. And quite often if I don't agree, I don't have much room to say too much except to pray. And with everything that happens, the way society is trending, people get to make their own choices in life and often get to reap the consequences as well. And sometimes the consequences aren't that, isn't that nice and people think it's unfair. But I want to ask a question that's really simple and that is what is church? Do we comprehend what church is? What it means to be part of the church? What attendance means? What that looks like? What being a participant means? What's our definition of church? Because church isn't a building. And if you've been with us from the early days, you will understand that church has nothing to do with building. Because at one point in life, we didn't have a building. We didn't have anywhere to meet. We met in the park. But we still had church. Church is a family. Church is a bunch of people that meet together with the same belief system. They come in agreement, that share life with you together. It's not just something that we do on a Sunday, it's something we are part of. But you get to choose the level of involvement and connection. And we try and love unconditionally. But in all honesty, church is filled with the imperfection of humanity. We can be part of a church. And we can be part of a family that's separated to the church. But sometimes finding the balance between the two can be difficult. And so what does that look like? What does it look like to be part of a church and yet be part of a family as well? How do we navigate life? How do we navigate all the choices and everything that's swirling around? How do we navigate through family? And if you've got a family, which most of you do, family is a challenge. How do we navigate through church life? How do we navigate through our beliefs? How do we navigate through Christianity? How do we navigate through work? How do we navigate through our goals and our dreams and our visions that we might have and perhaps even legacy? And then how do we navigate through all that linked together? And with the way society is trending, these questions become challenging to live to. Society has placed huge demands on people. Huge demands on their jobs, on their priorities, on their choices, their goals. How do we live according to our priorities and how do we put them in place? How do we live or how do we become part of a church when Sunday is the only day off? How do we complete the other tasks that we have when life is busy? And how do we fit everything in? Life can be like this massive puzzle that's made up of so many pieces that simply don't really fit in together. How do we fit church into our busy lives or vice versa? Without compromising our values we wish to live out. 
Life can be filled with so much. So many things can make it full. How do we know what should be in our lives and what shouldn't be? How do we make those choices? In Romans 8, 12 to 14, it says, So then, brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if the spirit you are putting to death, the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now it's interesting to note that Paul writes to the church in Rome with the universal, the understanding of the scope of man's sinfulness. He understands man's society or how we fit into society and understands our own humanity and our own shortfallings. And he describes in the earlier chapters the struggles that man has with sin, giving reference to our sinful nature, giving the law to reveal our need for Christ. And then Paul introduces almost like a third law, the Spirit of God. And that we are not led or governed by the law, but we are led by the Spirit of God. If I just lost you there, I'll remind you that Jesus talks about two new laws. And the two new laws that he, he begins to introduce in the book of Matthew is to love your Lord, the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then the second one is, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And we understand them as the two new laws of the new covenant. And when we are led by the Spirit of God, we are the sons and daughters of God. And Paul begins to introduce this third new law, or even a better way to put it, is a way to understand the first two. It's Christ who actually fulfilled the law for us, making us complete through him for us. And the reason why is simply because we were unable to live up to it. We don't live according to the law anymore. And if you don't understand quite what I'm talking about, let me explain this way. The law is talking about the more of Moses. And when Moses was up on the Mount Sinai, God gave him ten commandments or ten subheadings. And from then there were other laws that came, which are actually number 613. So the Ted subheading, 613 laws, and then man added to that which we call the traditions of man. And so when Jesus rocks up in about 3 AD, there's all these laws that men have been trying to fulfill. But of course, no one can keep the law, not the full law. Even if you talk to a rabbi today, they will say it is impossible to keep the whole law. And Paul is connecting what Jesus said to love God and to love people but be led by his spirit instead of the law of Moses. Jesus came to fulfill the law. And in Matthew 5 it says, Do not think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish it but fulfill it. So he fulfills the law, all 613 laws of Moses, for us so we don't have to. And then gives us a subheading of two and says, Love the Lord, Lord God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. 
and then love everybody or love your neighbor as yourself. The law was never removed, it was fulfilled for us. And the, le- the reason that Jesus was required to fulfill the law because we were unable to do it on our own. We are absolutely, if you've ever read the 613 laws, you will find they are incredibly difficult. There's laws on what food to eat. There's laws on what happens if you get mold in your house. There's laws on what happens when you do this. There's laws when you get mold on your own body or you get an infected hair. There's laws of what you have to do this. There's laws of everything. And simply, we cannot fulfill them all because you'd have a hard time trying to remember them for a beginning. And the reason that the Spirit of God, or Paul describes the Spirit of God as the third law, is because of the way that it guides us through life. If you made your emphasis on your whole life on those three things, you'd do really, really well. If you loved the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and you loved your neighbor as yourself, and you allowed the Spirit of God to guide you and direct you in all that you do, you wouldn't have an issue. And the laws and the rules are there to guide us, to give boundaries. Just like when you raise a child, as Michael and Rachel have the joy of experiencing it all on their own. No, but not that Rachel has no experience of dealing with children, being a teacher, but you'll have all that. But yes, as a parent, it'll change your perspective. (laughs) There's a man with uh, three kids, by the way. Sleep is overrated. <laughs> no, no. You get to sleep apparently when you retire. No, no, no. The word is fenugan. Uh, uh, okay, no, we don't roofie, we fenugan. <laughs> oh, so I, I look forward to seeing your experience. Maybe then you'll have some grace on us parents. <laughs> No, you guys are going to have a ton of fun and we are looking forward to seeing it. But you give your children boundaries. And those boundaries then give them an area for your children that they can live within. Just like tin bowling with bumpers. right? It helps your child roll the ball down and hopefully get and hit the actual pins. And those bumpers allow them, not the ball to go into the gutters, but allows them to actually go down the aisle. The change that took place between the covenant through Jesus to what we have now is more than just rules that we need to follow. It was based and founded and fueled by relationship. We are led by God's Spirit because we are in relationship with God. Think of the Spirit of God like a guide dog. And we're the blind person. The blind person, although can walk through life on their own, Maybe with a few bumps and bruises and fall downs and knockdowns and, and all sorts of things. But they can actually walk through life, even without their sight. But you put them with a guide dog and let them walk along with the guide dog, and you'll find the guide, the dog will actually know when to stop, when they need to go, when it's safe to cross a traffic sign or through an intersection. 
and will save the person from a lot of bumps and a lot of bruises. Of course, the blind person places a huge, huge amount of trust in that dog. Can you imagine being led with a blindfold on down a road by a dog? And putting your trust in another is, oh, let's be honest, it's a kind of little bit scary. But there is a bond that is formed by the relationship between the two of them, between the dog and between the blind person. And the human relies on the dog and the dog carries the burden. And we as believers have this obligation to not be led by our flesh, not be led by our own desires, but allow the Spirit of God to lead us and direct us, to put to death the things of the flesh, to direct us when we are in the flesh and say, hey, that's not right. It's actually being led by the Spirit of God that gives us our identity as sons and daughters of God. It's what qualifies us. And being led by another spirit other than God is not quite the same. The same trust that is established between a parent and a child is established through being led by the spirit. And like a blind person led by the guide dog, that's where trust is built. It's what separates us from when we were unsaved or pre-saved. And we have this obligation to be led by the Spirit, to put off the things on the flesh, because actually what Jesus did for us warrants his request of us. It's by the Spirit that guides us that we learn what God is and what he isn't. We know when we are being led by God's Spirit because it guides us to put things off from us. Funny of us, no one, no one that I've ever met anyway, wants to remove things from their lives. We get comfortable in the things that we have. We like those things. And very rarely do we ever want to change too much. Changing jobs and changing homes and changing habits can at times feel devastating, especially when you've been there for a while. In my own life, there have been many times when I've needed to give up something, let go of something, release something, change something, move on from something. And at the time it felt, I don't know, unfair, hurt, difficult, challenging, but it was necessary. And I may not have necessarily understood it in the moment that God spoke to me and said, remove this from your life, or perhaps the times when I've had to put off things just because I'd known they're wrong. And sometimes I haven't fully grasped the things that I've been asked to give up. But trust is built when you knowingly place something down without fully understanding the reason why. Trust is when you give up and let him lead you. It wouldn't work real well if the blind dog and the blind person both tried to lead the other. Someone would have to give. Change is hard. And that's why people struggle with it. Sometimes we see it as part of giving up part of ourselves. 
or perhaps it's what we thought was part of ourselves. When you're single, if anyone can still remember that besides Jess, it's so much easier you can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> you don't have to think about another person. When you have kids, it changes everything again. You're not connected to, you don't have to take into account someone else, someone else's feelings. I can do whatever I want. I can blow the money on Skittles if I want. Right? But when you're married, you have to put off certain things. You have to, what's the word? Grow up. You may not get to do the very things that you want to do right there and then. You have to take into consideration someone else's feelings. What someone else might want to watch on the TV. Or if you're smart, you buy two TVs. Sometimes that's the best way to keep your marriage working. It's true. Of course, there's also other times when you have kids who want to watch a TV show with you and you really don't want to watch what they want to watch. But you make the sacrifice because you love them. People struggle with growth because it's change. People who get married and either never change or never adjust to the change will always end up in the same way. Because when you get married, there's a lot of change that needs to take place. A lot. But God knows a change is hard. And that's why he sent a helper, an advocate to guide us, to direct us, to walk us through everything, to comfort us through those times when things are difficult and you want to just blame the other person. He's there to lead us when we don't know where to go, when we don't know the direction or we don't know how to walk through things. He cares. And because he cares, he guides and because he cares, he also corrects. And because he cares, he also stands on the sideline and tells us when we've done something wrong. And if we're not being led by the Spirit of God, then how can his Spirit testify that we are the sons and daughters of God? In Romans 8, 16, 17, it says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if need be, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Paul understood his relationship with God. He had tasted both worlds. And when he thought he was religious and he understood God and he was in relationship with God, he actually wasn't. And he also has the experience of being led by his spirit in the direction that he was supposed to go. And if you know anything about Paul's life, you can turn to your back of the Bible and there will be a whole map that will be dedicated to the four or five journeys of Paul where Paul traveled the known world sharing the gospel. Now it may not seem very far, but you have to also remember that was all on foot. There were no cars, no planes, no boats. And he did it completely fueled by God. 
completely led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God gives witness to us that we are the sons of God. And the more we are led by God, the more that we can walk in all the things that God has for us. And even though there are challenges in our lives and difficulties and things we have to go through and things where we have to change and grow and develop and there are times when we have to sacrifice and give up things because we know it will benefit someone else that we love and we need to do all these things, the whole process can take place simply because we are led by His Spirit. See, the difference between religion and relationship is this. Religion says I have to. Relationship says I want to. There's a difference between a marriage and a, a, a contract. The relationship is I, I want to be a part of this. I am choosing to be here. I see the benefit. To not just myself, but to you as well. Relationships are built on trust. They're filled with trust, and they're also walked out by trust. And unless we, we trust, we cannot be led. And just like that blind dog, if you imagine, if you've ever seen one, it's quite fascinating to watch. That blind person, even though they can't see, they need that dog to be their eyes. Their hearing is really good. So don't ever whisper behind them because they'll hear you. But their sight isn't there. And they have this trust in that dog. And the dog has been well, well trained. But the bond that the owner and the dog share is what keeps the dog keeping looking after the owner. They develop it not by a week, but by years of walking through the process, walking around obstacles, walking through traffic and difficulties. It's the same thing with us. The Spirit of God is there. And He promises to always be there. But our strength of relationship with Him is established when we walk through the difficulties of life and when we lean on Him to be led by Him. When we don't know the direction and our first words are Spirit of God or Holy Spirit or God, you need to guide me in this because I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And it's those moments that we actually find the direction or are given the direction that reaffirms what we're doing is actually the right thing. And during that whole process that takes place, trust is built and trust is developed and we trust that little bit more. And our relationship begins to grow that little bit further and stronger. Little Aaliyah celebrated her first, four, not first, she's pretty big for one year old, um, fourth birthday. And it, it's exciting to watch Dave and Victoria celebrate their sixth wedding anniversary. And I remember the day that they came and visited us when we were in the park. I'll tell you what, if you stayed to a church that was in a park, uh, we knew we kept you for a long time. Um, but it's exciting to watch them develop their relationship. Now, neither one of them is perfect. 
or David would probably claim that Victoria is. But it's nice watching them walk through this process, knowing that they're open to learning, open to being led by the Spirit of God. And I remember the day that uh, they talked to me. We were meeting in the sales office on Yarrabilba Drive. They had been coming to church for a little bit. I can't remember how long. It wasn't very long. And they, they talked to me about, uh, oh, perhaps you know, we, could, we could do the worship for you. Because at that moment, we, we had a CD player. Oh, not a CD player. We had my phone and a, and a Bluetooth speaker. And uh, they, they talked to me about it. We met up and, they, and they, they basically said, oh, look, we don't have any experience really leading. We've played in worship teams before, but we don't have much experience. And I was like, mate, you've got more experience than I do. Um, I can't even play the triangle probably. And watching them develop, and I'm quite sure they pray and they they're being led by the Spirit of God. And as they learn, as they trust, and as they experiment, as they do these certain things, it's exciting to watch them develop just like it is exciting to watch any other person develop. I have this great lawnmower guy. If you look after a lawnmower guy, um, I can recommend a person. Um, he's got a great offsider as well. And I, I love talking to them because they just... They're not perfect. They don't know all the answers. And occasionally I get text messages or messages saying, asking me these very in-depth, difficult questions, and I do my best to reply to them, JMO. Um, but I love watching the fact that they're, they're just learning and they're walking through this process and they have the questions. And I've been told multiple times that they spend all day when they're driving from job to job yakking away and talking about certain things of certain things that God's been speaking to them or what the Bible says on this and this and this and they share their opinions. Because it's, it's exciting. Well, that's because that's what it's supposed to be about people just learning. See, none of us are perfect, right? If you came to a perfect church, um, you would make it imperfect. So that, that's straight up. Oh, the kids are fine. They're just excited. There's no one perfect in this building. No one. You can't expect anyone to react to uh, perfection. Uh, no one's going to respond perfectly. They're going to make mistakes. But if we're led by the Spirit of God, if we allow the Spirit of God to lead us and direct us in all that we do... Oh my gosh, she's getting big. You're a little girl now, aren't you? Then that's all we can expect. Because it's the Spirit of God that leads us and directs us and brings us into all truth. And He's the one that guides us through all our problems and our hassles. And as soon as we stop listening or as soon as we stop being guided from Him, that's when life seems to go, not just chaotic, but that's when the problems really begin. I'm going to pray. We're going to close the meeting. But if you want some prayer, if you want to be open to the Spirit of God that little bit more and be led by His Spirit, I'll be at the front and I'll pray with you. But we have morning tea, there's tea and coffee. I, I challenge you to stay, get to know someone, talk with someone. You'd be surprised, you'll probably find some people who are really nice in here. But we're going to pray and we'll close the meeting.
Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you don't take us to a place that you don't actually have a, anything there to support us. You take us to every place and then you support us to every place. You guide us and direct us and you give the promises that you have in your word to us. Father, I speak and direct each person to be led by your Spirit. That because we are led by your Spirit, we will be known as the sons and the daughters of God. Not because we're perfect, but because you are. So Father, I speak your blessing upon your people. Your hand of grace to guide them and direct them. Be with them this week. Let them have great weeks. Keep them safe and protected. Bring forth health upon their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.